0: Welcome to Bowties in Business, where a fashionable nerd and knowledge meet. Regardless of whether your career is just starting, steady, or stalling, join me and a collection of business and thought leaders who are experts in their field as they share their decades of first-hand, real-world experience, from the ground floor, the executive suite, and every corner of the business world. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to Bowties in Business. I'm your host, Tim Kubiak. You can find us on our socials on Facebook and Instagram at Bowties in Business and on Twitter at Bowties in B-I-Z. You can find me at Tim Kubiak on Twitter and LinkedIn and as well at my website, timkubiak.com. Today's guest is part two of our conversation on developing leadership with our guest, Jeff Hancher. He's the founder of the Champions Forum. He's a keynote speaker and works with companies of all sizes as a leadership coach, offering private and group coaching. His career began serving his country in the United States Army, after which he joined the private sector workforce as a blue-collar worker. A true case of hard work and dedication paying off, he'd be promoted 10 times and hold an executive position at the same Fortune 500 company. Jeff, thanks for being here today.
1: My pleasure. It's always good to be on your show, Tim, and uh, great to be back with you. I really enjoyed uh, our first time together, and you pulled out a lot of great stuff from me, made me reflect back on some of my career and leadership journey. So I'm I'm glad to be back with you today.
0: Pleasure to have you. For anyone who didn't catch the first episode, you can we'll link to it in the show notes. You can catch it off the website and go back. But Jeff, you know, this started really as a dream to change your own life. So do you mind just giving everybody kind of a quick version of your backstory so they're familiar?
1: Yeah, sure. I I mean, uh, to give you the nickel rundown tour of uh, what got me here, I grew up in southwestern Pennsylvania, a product of two parents that were medically disabled and uh, grew up in poverty. And my brother and I would always talk that our greatest hope was finding a good steel mill or a coal mine and making a strong run at this thing. And uh, that was the dream, just to help take care of our sick parents And uh, during high school, the first Gulf War was happening, and I got an itch to serve our country, went to the military as a United States Army soldier, and upon my return, I was planning to go to college, uh, but put that on the back burner to take care of my mom, who at the time was in hospice. And at that time, I started with uh, a a Fortune 500 company, basically as a fill-in truck driver, uh, doing service work. And after a 20, almost a 24 year career and uh, I believe it was 10 or 11 promotions and finishing in a top leadership role within the company, uh, the last couple of years, Tim, I just had this uh, burning passion to give back what was uh, given to me to be successful. And now I want to spend the rest of my life helping to develop leaders into their biggest potential, which is serving other people and being excellent in the craft and the art of leadership. Uh, Because I truly believe that every organization will rise and fall at the hand of leadership. And so December of 2019, I left a thriving career with a lot of runway left to take that big leap that many of us talk about and follow my passion. And so uh, who knew a pandemic was going to hit, but nonetheless, uh, I've been able to add a lot of value and serve a lot of people uh, in this time of uncertainty. And man, I am I am really enjoying the journey.
0: You know, and it's so great to hear people, you know, businesses are growing. So, and I know a lot of people are suffering, but a lot of businesses are doing well and a lot of innovations already starting to come out of this situation. So it'll be really curious to see where things are a few years out.
1: No doubt. No doubt about
0: it. So before we jump in, today's topics obviously leadership development, right? And you run a great podcast, so you want to tell folks where they can find you and how to subscribe and all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, I would love to. So we do have a, a leadership podcast. It's called the Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher, and that's a host of uh, teaching from the current events of today, as well as uh, leadership principles that have withstood the test of time. Uh, we have a lot of uh, very interesting guests that are on, people that are proven in leadership, proven entrepreneurs. And uh, quite a few doses of inspiration to get us through some valleys as well. So they can find me wherever podcasts are played under the Champion Forum podcast. And then my socials under the Champion Forum podcast, other than LinkedIn, is under my name, Jeff Hancher. And then my website is thechampionforum.com. And they can get show notes from from the podcast, as well as all of the services I offer from consulting to group training, as well as executive coaching.
0: And you have a new offer, so I don't want you to miss that one. So talk about your your monthly coaching and your mastermind groups.
1: I'm very excited, and thank you for for giving me the opportunity to showcase that. These are really uh, two groups. A lot of people, this is based off of market demand and some clients that I have, uh, to create two leadership groups. These are both virtual and basically, what I've done, I've created two groups very intentionally. I have exe- an executive leadership mastermind. You know, this is for the established leader that's looking to grow incrementally and continue to sharpen their skill set. They're a little more tenured. Uh, you know, they, they've kind of been, they've taken a few more laps than maybe a new leader or, or somebody that's newer to leadership. And this group is going to be exclusive and will be limited to 10 people. This is going to allow for that mastermind feel. And that uh, Q&A, that networking, the benchmarking that happens in a a mastermind type of environment. And then I'm going to have the leadership development group. And this group is designed for those that want to lead, aspire to lead, or they're new to leadership. uh, Or they might be like a lot of leaders out there where they finally got the leadership role. They've been at it a while and they come to find out, man, there was really no playbook here. And they're just trying to figure it out. And that group, this group is designed for those. And again, we're going to be covering basic leadership principles uh, that are relevant to today, like pushing through adversity, change management, different things that are applicable right now in the season we're in, as well as leadership principles that have stood the test of time. How do you become a challenging leader while being a motivational leader? Uh, the tact and the art of leadership. Either group, what I can tell you that I've learned about leadership, Tim, is that leadership is better caught than it is taught. Everything that we're going to talk about today, you and I, everything in these groups are all things people can find on the internet, on a YouTube, whatever it might be. But the best people develop their skills by catching other great leaders. And so these two groups are designed to do that. And you can uh, register uh, to either one of these groups by going to thechampionform.com forward slash groups. It's two Zoom calls a month, and uh, I'm looking forward to growing these and really serving people as they continue on their leadership journey. So thanks so much for giving me the opportunity to showcase that.
0: Absolutely, and we're gonna give people a little taste of this. So as we jump into leadership development, one of the things that you talked about in the previous episode was different leadership styles. Can you take a minute, go through those styles, and maybe go a little deeper on what each one means and some of the characteristics of them?
1: Yeah, man, there's, uh, you know, I guess it's, it's what makes the girl, world go round is the different styles of leadership, and there, there are several. Uh, what I would tell you is that there's not one greater than the other and uh you shouldn't gravitate only to one i always tell leaders that uh if you if you go one way too much you're going to be about 10% right leadership is about being flexible and adaptable to your environment to the personalities that are in front of you and uh i think i said it on the last show but i think it paints a picture you know if i'm going to go fishing i don't put snickers bars on the hook i put worms cuz i tend to find although i love snickers uh, the fish don't, and so if I'm fishing for people, I got to know what they want to eat. Uh, now, I do think that coming you know, from your upbringing and mentoring and influence, you're going to adapt to certain styles, and that's fine, and some of those styles that we see out there is that of the coach, uh, the visionary, and there's several different others, the servant, autocratic, laissez-faire, democratic, the pace setter, uh, transformational. And you could go into all of these different styles. We have bureaucratic leaders. We have transactional leaders. Uh, but I can tell you, you have to find the balance through those different styles. Personally, I like the coach. I like the coaching style. Uh, but I think it. you have to really think about, when you're thinking about styles of leadership, you have to look at two really Certain areas, no matter what style you have, are you going to have a supportive behavior or a directive behavior? And it's really going to depend upon where your people are. I always tell leaders you have to meet your people where they're at. High directive and low support behavior, you know, that might be very good for directing, but at some point, what you're trying to do is get them into coaching. And then from coaching, you want to get that person to supporting, empowering, if you will. And then finally, you want to get somebody to the delegating phase uh, where you can just give them assignments and know that they're going to be done. So out of all of those styles that I mentioned, coaching, I think, is very good because there's a difference between, uh, you know, Tim, if you were asking me to teach you how to hit a baseball, I could give you a document and say, read this document, and it's going to tell you how to hit a baseball. That wouldn't be effective. And I think so many times leaders do that. We have great manuals. We have great onboarding binders. We have all of this different stuff. And and our team is sitting and looking at us like we have three heads, like this is not helpful. So I think as leaders, coaching, you can rarely go wrong with coaching. Even people that don't need coached usually value it because they see it as a way to continue to sharpen their fundamental skills So I love the coaching style. You know, a a coach that's a, a leader and a coach is someone who can quickly recognize their team member's strengths, their weaknesses, what motivates them to help each individual on their team improve. This type of leader is the one that often assists team members in setting very specific goals, what I like to call the smart goals, and then provide regular feedback. So if I'm teaching you how to hit that baseball, I'm not just giving you a document. I might say, Tim, why is it important to you to hit a baseball? Because uh, I always dreamed as a kid to hit one over the over the fence. And okay, so we're going to talk about power swinging then. And we're going to talk about one, you know, how to get the long ball. And then I'm going to show you how to hit the ball. But then I'm going to say, does that make sense to you, Tim? Yeah, it makes sense. All right. Now, I want to watch you hit the ball. No, remember, you were supposed to drop your elbow, swing through the ball. Look, watch me do it again. And then coach and redirect. So I love that style of, uh, of leadership. But the ideal is to know where your people are. And whatever style you have, I think it's a journey with people, directing them, move them to coaching them, move them to supporting them, and ultimately move to delegating. This is what I have. I'm going to give it to you. Go run, go score. I'll be here to cheer you on. And I'll be the first one to send fireworks in the sky when you accomplish the goal. So I love that style, but there are many out there.
0: So let me ask you a question. We're probably in both a visionary and a transformational time for a lot of businesses. How does a current leader start to really adapt to those market conditions?
1: I think you have to be a visionary now, maybe more than uh, ever before. You know, we're in unprecedented times now to say ever before, I would say ever before it with the current leaders. There's been plenty of challenges throughout the course of time. But visionary leaders, I actually just did a, a group training on this. And I titled it, Will the Visionaries Please Step Up? Now is the time to be a visionary leader. Because what a visionary does is they see things as though they should be. They see things that aren't as though they are. And you have to find the balance between being fluffy uh, and fake and being a realistic visionary. Visionary leaders have a very powerful ability to drive progress and usher in periods of change by inspiring employees and earning trust for new ideas. These same type of leaders are also able to establish very strong organizational bonds and they foster confidence among direct reports. And by doing this, what you're doing, especially in times of adversity, I mean, you don't have to look far uh, to realize that things are less than ideal. Market conditions are less than ideal. People are furloughed. People are being laid off. There's some anxiety out there. And, Great visionary leaders, it's kind of like driving through a mountainous area, a lot of hairpin turns. You know, a visionary leader tries to anticipate what's around that turn because everybody can read yesterday's news. We have to be visionaries that are anticipating what's coming and then creating vision around that and then tying it to strategy. This is where we're going. It's going to be sunny. The clouds are going to dissipate. And here's how that's going to happen. Visionary leadership is critical in the condition we're in right now, Tim. And it's something that uh, I've been beating the drum hard on uh, to be visionaries. That way we, we still have, we're inspiring people, we're empowering people. And although things are bad, we have a plan for it to get better and this is how we're going to do it. Absolutely critical in our condition right now.
0: Along those lines, are you, how does this fare for younger leaders that maybe this is their first economic, you know, and I know this wasn't in the prep questions. So, but you're good. Yeah. So new leaders, right? They've maybe come out, maybe they've been in the workplace since say 2010 even, right? So 10 years, they've got a decade of experience, but they've not experienced the front end of a downturn. Now, how can they adjust? What can they rely on? To develop themselves and and, you know give confidence to their teams because that's a big part of what you got to do right now it's huge
1: it's huge you know I would tell you I think you have to get in a mindset of setbacks really and setbacks are coming and as a leader they're probably going to come more often than uh, they did as an individual contributor because you got more people involved and look when people are involved, things can, things can get crazy. And so I think you have to go into leadership with a mindset. And there are, to your point, Tim, there are many leaders right now that have never faced this kind of animosity, this kind of change. They weren't around for the last recession uh, or 9-11 and some of the things that happened through that. So they're being conditioned now. The first piece of advice that I would give to that leader is get around somebody that's been there before. You know, if I'm going to hire a travel agent to set me up with a trip to Disney, I want that travel agent to have been to Disney. I don't want them to be Googling uh, Disney 101 and what rides to ride and how to get shorter lines. I want somebody that's been there. I want an expert that knows the different parks, that knows the strategy. So I would tell that leader that's facing this adversity for the first time, Get around people that have been there before, because like I said earlier, leadership is better caught than it is taught. You can Google adversity and leadership and read all day long, and it might look, and we should read. We should get better, but you want that leader in your life that's been there before, but as it relates to setbacks, whether it's the most crazy setbacks like we're seeing now or just normal day-to-day setbacks, the first thing is have perspective expect setbacks. Tim, you and I are from southwestern Pennsylvania. We, we should not be surprised in January that it's going to get to be single digits. Uh, you know, it's going to be five degrees. It's going to be negative something degrees. It's, yeah, can you be upset about it? But it shouldn't be a surprise. Why? It's where we live. Welcome to leadership. There's going to be setbacks. Have the perspective. They're coming. But here's the great news, the pressure is a privilege. Because as leaders and as problem solvers, you will get paid in proportion to the problems you can solve. So see them as an opportunity. The other thing is set a time limit for disappointment. If you have a setback or adversity, uh, something bad happens, the stock price falls to the bottom, Uh, you miss your quota by 20%, your best employee turned over, whatever it might be, you have 24 hours, I got a 24 hour rule. You can, you can kick, scream, throw plates, whatever you want, get the Kleenex out, but 24 hours and we're over it. Less emotion and more information would be the third thing I would tell people. Don't get too high and never get too low. Seek information on how I can get through this setback and rely on what I call the now what. All right, you've cried, you've got over it, you've got the Kleenex, put away. And now it's straight into now what? The best leaders in the toughest adversity, and we see this all throughout military history. You're going to have setbacks in the battles, but you can't take one casualty and focus so much on that for the sake of the rest of the team, the rest of the platoon, if you will. Now It's now what? How am I going to, I'm not going to focus on what has been taken. I'm going to focus now on what I have left. And lastly, you got to manage your self-talk. Who do you say you are as a leader? Maybe your boss, maybe the economy, maybe a competitor is telling you you're terrible, you stink. I told you you were never going to do this. Who are you saying that you are? You've got to be your biggest cheerleader because at the end of the day, nobody can want it more than you. So those are some key principles I would tell any leader that's facing some big challenges for the first time to help bring them some perspective.
0: That's really good guidance and, you know, your military analogy, right? Some leaders are just being battle tested for the first time, but sometimes, you know, it is, and, and I think this is a difficult concept in taking it out of the life and death military situation in business. Sometimes even at the lowest levels of leadership, you have to make a hard decision especially in this type of economy and it brings that forward and it's an opportunity to make the best decision and do it for the right reasons and with compassion.
1: Yeah. And I think we need to lean into those opportunities and I'm not saying be a crazy person and look for problems, but I am saying lean into the challenges because at the end of the day, that's what we're doing as leaders is we're problem solvers You know, if there weren't, if there wasn't adversity and challenges, we really wouldn't have a strong need for leaders. Leaders are problem solvers. They're navigators. They help teams navigate through the choppy waters of business and economic climates. And again, uh, everybody wants big success. Uh, Most people want big wealth. But I can tell you all of that comes with the magnitude of the problems you can solve. So see these setbacks and adversities as opportunities. The pressure truly is a privilege.
0: As you look at leadership development, and we talked a little bit in the first episode about mentors, how do you evolve or expand who your mentors are as you grow as a leader?
1: You know, I think uh, you got to be very observant about that. Um, I think mentoring, finding good mentors is very much so like finding uh, your next great hire. Be very slow to hire and very fast to fire. Uh, If that mentor that you've selected and has has accepted you is not working out, uh, you're not getting deposits, personalities aren't there, fire fast. Don't worry about offending people. Time is of the essence. But as it relates to getting the new mentor, I would tell you, You have to be very observant. Uh, Title doesn't always mean good mentor. What I would tell you that you're going to want to look for is really what I call the three-legged stool. You want a mentor that has, yes, great results, amazing results. But here's 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 where people get it wrong mostly with mentors is they go after great results. They had great results. I want great results. So I want them to be my mentor. Results alone aren't enough to be a world-class mentor. The second leg of the stool is you've got to have great methods. So does that mentor have great methods? Because results can come and go, but methods, methods are sustainable. So yeah, maybe they had a good year. They were the number one in the world, uh, but is that sustainable? Were they good or were they lucky? If there's somebody that has great methods, now they have deposits they can make into you. And then the third leg of the stool, especially in a business or a corporate type environment is culture. Do they exude and carry out? And would you define them as an ambassador of the culture? Because not only are those three great things to have in a mentor, there are three things that you're going to need to elevate your career. So if you can find a mentor, that exudes those things, and now they can make deposits. A key thing in looking at mentors is to realize this, and also realize this as as a leader. You can only give what you have. You can't give in deficit. You can only give out of abundance. And so you want people that are overflowing in success. They're good at time management. They can do their job, and make deposits into you. And if there's one book that I could recommend to anybody uh, that is looking for guidance as they navigate their career, it's not really a leadership book, but on it's on the lines of mentoring. It's almost a mentoring book. It's called Career Warfare by David Alessandro. And I'll tell you, I read this later in my career and and was mad reading it, thinking, man, if I would have read this ten years ago, it would have changed everything. So I'd highly recommend that book on the subject of, you know, getting those nuggets and deposits. But that would be some advice on uh, picking the right mentor. Tim,
0: I love books, so I'm going to segue to books. So I'm a, I'm going to yep. go buy Career Warfare because it's not one on my shelves. So it's we talked dandy. about you're going to love it. That's good. That's awesome. And I'm doing a book a week thing right now, right? Wow. So my whole goal is to do a book a week and some of my stuff still tends to be nerdy and some of it tends to be different. So this will be a nice change. We talked about Nathaniel Hill or Napoleon Hill and, and whatnot and Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy in the first ones. What mm-hmm. are some great books or personal favorites that you have on leadership of any type? Man,
1: um, I mean, John Maxwell is the GOAT. There's no doubt about it. In my opinion, he he is the greatest of all time uh, as it relates to leadership. And I've never read a bad book from John Maxwell, but I can tell you the one that has had the biggest impact on me is the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Very, very sound. Um, structurally very, very good. It's easy to digest. The other one I would tell you that helped me, it's more specific to, um, I, I would almost call it situational leadership, and that's The One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard. Man, it is so good because it's, it's very practical. It gives great scenarios about what really happens uh, in the workplace, in the office, uh, very scenario-based and role-play-esque, if you will. So the One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard helped me immensely through my leadership journey. And then uh, another book that's impacted me, it's not necessarily a leadership book, but uh, many people have probably heard of it, is Good to Great uh, by Jim Collins. I think those three books have had big impacts on my leadership journey and just how I process and think as a leader. Uh, And I don't know if I mentioned this in the first episode or not, but One of the first books I ever read, which I'm embarrassed to tell you, was probably in my early 20s. Thank God for Cliff Notes in high school, was um, Lead the Field by Earl Nightingale. That really set the tone of personal development in my life. And, you know, two things that stood out to me in that that I still adopt to this day is goal setting. One and two acres of diamonds. And uh, in the Acres of Diamonds, he talks about, look, canvas every piece of land that you have first before you go looking for land to mine diamonds. And uh, we're so quick to move along or quit the company we're at. And it made me realize throughout my career that there's a big difference between running from something and running to something. And we have to find that perspective. So I hope that answers your question. Those are some that have uh, had huge impacts on me.
0: Those are great. Some I've got on my shelf. Some of which I'll go buy right after this. So that, selfishly, that was very good. Um, good. Along those lines, you talk, you, you mentioned that same phrase: running, not running from something, but running to something. Talk about that and the importance of that in a career. Man, it is. It's huge. It is huge, uh, and especially if we're money
1: motivated uh you know i've coached a lot of people through this dynamic you know they have a chance to go make 10 more 15 more here uh they they jump quick or the, the the this is another classic they have a terrible boss uh they don't like their boss and here's what i always tell them you need to get this work through you need to figure this environment out whether it's a boss whether I mean, outside of morals and ethics, like, guess what? You're going to have challenges wherever you go. And, okay, so you have a bad boss. You're not getting along. Uh, one of your teammates on your team is a jerk, whatever it might be. There's jerks everywhere. There's bad bosses everywhere. Leaders, There's bad leaders all over the planet. In every company, there's at least one. And so you're going to go over there for another 10% pay raise, but you might be going from bad to worse and you don't even know. So why don't you stay here and work through the adversity back to being battle-tested instead of running from something. So there's a difference between running from something and running to something. An example of running to something would be, uh, I'm I'm a sales representative. I have this passion for leadership. I just wanna lead people. I've been a sales rep for 10 years. Out of those 10 years, I made President's Club seven times. Uh, There's only one sales leader in the company, and the guy's been here 20 years, and he's a bottleneck not going anywhere. And this company over here, they're a great culture. They want me to be a leader over there. That's running to something. You've earned the right. It makes sense. Uh, And I think we have to decipher that. And as leaders listening to this show, I can tell you, You've got to get good at being a visionary around explaining to your people the difference between running to something and running from something uh, because that's great leadership deposits. It's also a good way to retain talent on your team. And the best way to handle an objection, and I'm sure your listeners have heard this from you, Tim, the best way to handle an objection is a great presentation. Don't wait until all hell is breaking loose on your team to give this vision. You should be doing it early and often. And the best time to do it is when there's not a problem with an employee or they're disgruntled or whatever it might be. So explain those two dynamics. That way you can reinforce them when all hell is breaking loose.
0: That's one that I've actually seen amazing changes in in the last three, four months, right? I have seen senior executives, some that I know, many that I don't, that are communicating in a way they never had before internally with their suppliers and with their customers. And I think, I hope that stays.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Me and me both. And we find that in times of adversity is typically when leaders get more granular and uh, you know, that's not always fun because now we have a leader, like a C level leader signing off on a, personal computer like I get it uh, yeah. but nonetheless like we have to realize that uh, sometimes the the climate of our business demands that and so back to being flexible and you know we've always heard that the most dangerous words in business is we've always done it that way. I would tell you if that's your thinking how's that working for you and so we have to be <laughs> willing to flex.
0: Talking about flexing, I'm an old guy now, right? I'm, I've am been around, I've been doing this going on 30 years and leading different organizations. What advice would you give people that have taken those laps, so to speak, in finding and developing young talent? The opposite of looking for a mentor, but looking for a mentee, if you will.
1: Yeah, I would tell you uh, there's nothing better in leadership than making deposits and looking back on you know, somebody that you literally had the opportunity to change their their life. And I think it's really two different mindsets. One would probably be more on the hiring, right? And then that, that could be a whole discussion on how do you find good talent? And I don't know if that's what you were asking, but the other one would be the internal, which is uh, what are we doing to develop the people within our organization? And if you're a leader now, I can tell you, uh, yes, you have a team. You're looking at your org chart. You got 5, 10, 100 people underneath you. Uh, But if your company is progressive, and I'm hopeful that it is, you're going to need more people. Uh, You're going to have some turnover. Even if it's single-digit turnover, as a percentage, you're going to need to find talent. I'm a believer that most times, not always, but most times, your best talent should come from within. Uh, that you can assess the non, the the intangibles, you know the things you can't teach, culture, character, effort, effort, passion, you know things like that. But they might not have the skill, so they're the who, but they don't have the what. As a great leader, you should be seeking these kind of people out. They're good at their job now. Uh, they're well thought of. They do great on performance reviews. They're winning culture type awards. Uh, You should be seeking these kind of people out and begin to mentor them into not who they are, but who they potentially could be. Because not only is that a win for you, because now you're grooming talent from within and you've got a good bench being built as you grow or have turnover or better yet, promoting people out of your team. Now you've got this, this flow, this bench, this farm league being built. The other thing that's so gratifying is you're making someone's life better. You're, you're, you're making deposits that is helping them to check off some boxes of their why. You know, we've heard it said that people will work for their what, but they'll die for their why. Leaders have the ability to take a human being and help them get to a place they never dreamed of. Like a young kid growing up with sick parents, a life of poverty, that at best wanted to get into a coal mine. And thank you coal miners that are listening. I love you all to death. But little did I know that I had more potential and a, a, a much longer runway, a much higher ceiling. I didn't see it in me. But man, I had great leaders that did. And they took me for the craziest ride of my life. And I surpassed what my wildest dreams could ever do. And that came from some leaders doing what we're talking about, Tim, saying, man, there's something about that kid. There's something about that Jeff kid, man. Man, if I I could just teach him how to sell or, man, if I could just teach him some leadership stuff, this kid could be good. So I think we got to be doing that. We've got to identify those. We should have a head on a swivel uh, looking for those opportunities in our organizations as, as leaders.
0: Yeah, and and it's interesting because you came up through the ranks, right? You came from non-traditional blue-collar background. Obviously, you Mm -hmm. talked about your parents' situation, right? And and one of the things I found is many of the best leaders in my career have been the the folks that kind of came up that way. They're not the people that were the obvious choice. Some Mm -hmm. of the greatest CEOs were the ones that worked their way through the business, but they started at the entry level someone recognized that potential which is important but they also did the work right they invested in themselves right they they may be as you said before weren't a big dreamer young but aspired to the next thing and figured out what it would take and found somebody to help them get there
1: Mm
0: -hmm. right and and that's something i think that gets lost a lot you know i i watch a lot of younger salespeople. they come in and they're like Oh, uh, well, you know, I'll never have the Porsche. I'm making $30,000 a year. I'm like, hey, look, right. my first sales job, my, my base was 16K and I didn't have any guarantee on anything else. That I made $21,000, <laughs> right? Um, right. So I realize it's a long time ago and that numbers are a little different now, but you're coming in at a 40 base and you're going to make 60. Yeah, you're right. You're not going to buy a million dollar house, but you've been doing this six months. What are you, What are you doing to get better? That's it.
1: That's absolutely it. I absolutely agree, Tim.
0: Um, we talked. We talked about setbacks. Resilience seems to be the most popular word with leaders today. Any thoughts on that one?
1: Yes, uh, a lot of thoughts. It's probably been the most popular subject that uh, that I've talked about over the last, call it, two months. Is resilience and and working through adversity because I mean. Again, you don't have to look far to see what that looks like. There's been a lot of it. You know, I think, um, and, and I may butcher this quote, but I love the quote that says, uh, passion and resilience is, uh, is, do, is continuing to do something and staying committed to it long after the, the environment and the thought you had when it began. You know, I think a lot of people start great, uh, they have great ideas. They have big dreams. They, they, they want to do great things. Everything starts pretty well. You know, it gets back to the saying that the new broom sweeps clean. It's absolutely true. But it's when things, the, the plan doesn't work out well. What are you doing with that? What is your mindset? Muhammad Ali once said that, uh, you know, everybody has a game plan to go into the fight until you get punched in the mouth. And it's what you do in that moment. And I would tell you, um, a lot of it is absolutely going to be mindset. Mindset is going to be absolutely critical for anybody. But we don't have to look far in history to find out there's some awesome people that have overcome it. I would tell you there's a couple key principles as far as resilience and pushing through adversity. I talked a little bit about setbacks, but I'll give it a little bit of a different uh, perspective. One, adversity is temporary. The second thing I would tell you is, if you allow adversity, it can become an anchor. You can't, an anchor by its definition is is designed to keep you in one place. That's That's not the mindset of somebody that's progressive, somebody that is on a mission, somebody that's on increase. But if you allow it, adversity can become an anchor. And if you let something keep you in one place, what's actually happening is, You're actually going backwards because everybody else is going ahead. I always tell people, even if you're crawling, you'll lap somebody on the couch. Don't let adversity become an anchor and keep you in place. The third thing is, is that adversity can be your greatest teacher. You know, I think about my childhood. I think about growing up in poverty. I think about, you know, uh, my mom having a leg amputated. My dad had his, battled cancer, battled lupus, a kid being in and out of hospitals, uh, roaming the halls of hospitals my whole childhood. But I can also tell you this, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about perspective. I learned a lot about what real stress was. It conditioned me to be a great leader. And you can learn from those things. You have to ask yourself in times of adversity, is that adversity happening to you Or is it happening for you? That's a different mindset. If you allow it, adversity can teach you what you need to learn to be the very best version of yourself. And then ultimately, I would tell you that um, have gratitude. Adversity can reveal good. I like what Napoleon Hill once said in his book, Think and Grow Rich. and, And it's one of my favorite quotes of all time. He says, in every adversity, every failure, every heartache, carries with it a seed of equivalent benefit. And I believe that, Tim, to be absolutely true. And a great way to deal with adversity is to find the good and practice gratitude because there's something to be thankful for. There's people right now around the world literally in foxholes dodging bullets. And maybe you're listening and that's you. But most of, for most of us, it's not. And so I would tell you, find perspective. There are people in hospice units right now battling for their life, and we're losing our mind over missing a projection. And look, I'm a fighter. I'm a winner. I'm a competitor. I hate to lose more than I like to win. But when all hell is breaking loose, that's the time to find some perspective and have some gratitude. So those would be four things that I would share with leaders uh, that uh, need to pull it together.
0: That's a great point and fantastic advice. And with that, one of the things I want to do is kind of segue as we head towards wrapping up here, and that is your business has evolved. So you talk about being adaptable and whatnot, and you mentioned mm-hmm. it a little bit earlier, but can you talk a little more about what you're doing now to help companies make the right hires?
1: Yeah. Wow. Has that been That's been a big topic for me lately, and I'll tell you why I think it is. Tim, I don't know when you're airing this, but we're recording this July 8th, 2020. And I'll tell you right now, uh, there's not a lack of employable people right now. Uh, There's a lot of people laid off. And that means that uh, there's a lot of people looking for jobs. And we're not used to that. I mean, we, we went from one extreme to the other. I mean, it wasn't maybe even in January, people were fighting for talent. People were paying for talent in ways they never paid for it before. Labor expense was was year over prior through the roof on your income statement. Now it went the pendulum swung so far the other way, and we as leaders, we haven't adopted the mindset that maybe this is actually too good to be true. There's so much talent out there, so what we have to do as leaders right now is we have to have a true hiring process. We have to have a process that's going to get us into a place that we're confident that we're making the right hires, especially in a sales world. Because I think a lot of your people that are here, uh, you know, they're in sales, they're in sales leadership, whatever it might be. So I've really been helping people think through what are their outside hire assets? What should those be? What are the non-negotiables? Uh, what, what's the assets of a science project? How about the leader that's like, I think I can make them good. History is a predictor of the future. We've got to get that stuff right. And we can't allow ourselves to have some of these hiring pitfalls in these markets because everybody looks good. And especially in sales, they communicate well. They look great. And we're making bad hires. I'm seeing turnover with some of my clients in, in weeks, not months. And it's been a very, very painful thing for some of my Uh, biggest clients. So I've been putting a lot of time into uh, hiring programs, uh, specifically in the sales world, because man, it is just not an area that we can get right. And I help people go from how do you recruit them? uh, My science behind why passive candidates are the best, the ones not looking, the ones that are happy where they're at. And then I take them through the interview process and ultimately to onboarding. Because uh, people, we will live and die by the teams that we have. I don't care how great your widget is, how great your culture is, it's going to be the people. And so we, we just can't afford to get it wrong. So I've put a lot of attention uh, into helping some of my clients get that right.
0: That's fantastic. And with that, tell, tell everybody again, in case they missed it at the beginning or didn't screw it down fast enough, everywhere they can find you, you know, podcast, the website, socials, et cetera.
1: Yeah, so the, uh, the website, which is a, a great way to reach me, is thechampionforum.com. Uh, if something I said uh, struck a chord with you, or maybe you're like, I wonder what Jeff thinks about this, I'll be as accessible as I can be to anybody. Again, I left a great career to help people. That's my passion. If that's you, email me. I can be reached at jeffhancher at thechampionforum.com. And then uh, social media, I post leadership nuggets every single day. And uh, I can be found on Instagram and Facebook under the Champion Forum and LinkedIn under Jeff Hancher.
0: Jeff, thanks again for taking the time being on. This was a fun conversation. Of course, I'm excited to have a whole new list of books, too. So, <laughs> Well, Tim,
1: thank you. Uh, I love engaging with other professionals and watching your journey and how you're helping so many people do what you do. I am, I'm so thankful for the connection that we made. And uh, I love adding value to others. And so thank you for giving me the opportunity to make deposits into your listeners as well. And um, I wish you all the best. I'm sure we'll be connecting more and listeners. Thanks for investing time to listen to uh, the show today. And if I can help you in any
0: way, don't hesitate to reach out. We're happy to have you back anytime you want. So Thanks again for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode. We put out fresh content every Tuesday. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, tell your friends, and share on your own social media accounts. Want us to see what you have to say? It's a BYOB kind of party. Bring your own bow tie. So hashtag bring your own bow tie. Our listeners are important to us. After all, it's you we create this content for. With that in mind, we're doing a mailbag episode once a quarter. If you have suggestions, ideas, or questions you'd like answered, email us at mailbag at bowtiesandbusiness.com. This show is produced, edited, and researched by Courtney Kubiak with the help of her rescue dogs, Tequila Rose and Rooney.